Welcome to the podcast of the National Institute for Health Research, the NIHR. This is an episode in the series Conversations about Diabetes Research. My name is Dr. Neil Hill, and I'm a consultant in diabetes and endocrinology at Imperial College Healthcare, NHS Trust, as well as the speciality lead for diabetes for the NIHR Clinical Research Network, Northwest London. And I'm Ruben Lewis, a research delivery manager at the NIHR Clinical Research Network, Northwest London. It's a pleasure to have you with us. This time, we hear from Sean Rilston, a research dietitian at Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust. Sean discusses the research projects she is working on, exploring how people living with diabetes can exercise safely, as well as sharing her thoughts on the importance of both diet and exercise in managing diabetes effectively and the most impactful types of exercise. So, Sean, as you know, you and I run an exercise mm-hmm. clinic for people with diabetes who, who like to do physical activity, and we call it the Imperial Physical Activity and Diabetes Clinic. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so this is a, a really exciting clinic that um, we all enjoy running. Um, so we know that exercise is really important for people with diabetes, um, but we also know it can be, it can be quite challenging for lots of reasons, uh, but mostly around uh, managing blood glucose uh, during exercise and after exercise, particularly for those that are on um, insulin or medications that um, cause an increase in insulin production. Also, people with diabetes um, can struggle with musculoskeletal issues. So we run a clinic that um, includes a diabetes consultant, a sports and exercise medicine consultant, a physiotherapist, um, a dietitian with an interest in sports nutrition. That's you, right? That's me, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so the idea is that anyone with diabetes who uh, wants to exercise or is currently exercising and having any um, sort of struggles can come to this clinic and between us hopefully we will be able to um, help with any issues. Sean, I, I think that's that's really interesting is that uh, are these clinics common across the uh, country are, are they really readily available for diabetes patients uh, is it quite it sounds relatively new to me but uh, maybe I'm unfamiliar with that. So they're not terribly common, but the good news is that anyone across the UK can refer themselves into this clinic. So we can sort of help lots of people. Yeah, that's great. People would just need to approach their GP and um, their GP could find the clinic on the uh, Choose and Book system, which is available nationwide. So that that sounds pretty cool. Have have you had any interesting people come through the clinic that you remember? Yeah, loads of interesting people. Um, I mean, so everyone's interesting. Everyone else we're about to say. So everyone, (laughs) everyone is a little bit different and has different experiences and doing slightly different exercise. Um, But we've. And we've had quite quite a mix. So we've we've had um, a professional fencer. We've had someone who was training to swim the channel. So yeah, just yeah. proof that diabetes does not have to hold you back. Absolutely. Mm. And so we were chatting earlier. You you've just completed a, a research study looking at people with diabetes who like to exercise. Can you tell us a bit more about the study and what that involved? Yeah, so um, in the study, we uh, recruited people with type 1 diabetes who were exercising regularly. And we asked them to record their carbohydrate intake, their insulin doses, and we gave them GPS sports watches so they could record all their activity. Did they have to give them back? You know, did have to give them back <laughs> and so that we can use them for future studies. Because of course, there's loads of cool studies that we can do um, looking at exercise. Um, and we put glucose sensors on them for um, 90 days. 10 days of that were blinded. And then half, so 
half remaining time, so 40 days, they had an urgent low soon alert on, and the other half of the time they had the alert off. What does that mean? Yeah, so what we were trying to do is to see whether this alert, which predicts that um, someone will go hypo within the next 20 minutes, so down to 3.1 in the next 20 minutes, um, whether that impacts the duration, frequency, and severity of hypoglycemia. Um, so, so we were specifically looking at this alert, but actually by gathering all this data, we're hoping that we'll learn a whole lot more about diabetes and exercise, um, and specifically around hypoglycemia that we know is a, is a big problem in exercise. Sounds like you're going to have masses of data to analyse. I am. I'm going to lock myself in a cave for a few weeks and get through it. <laughs> Fantastic. So what would you say if, some, if someone is has diabetes and whether that's type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes, what would you say to them if they want to start exercising and they're not used to exercising? What, what advice would you give them and what does the latest research say is, is, is helpful? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess the... The number one message is exercise is really, really good for you. 100% um, aim to build it up. But I think building it up is key. So you you don't want to go straight into running about the place. You you probably want to start maybe just by reducing your sedentary behaviour and then and building up. So walking is a great activity. Um, you know, there's loads of of benefits associated with it. But there's increasing amounts of evidence that say that just not being still is really key so even just you know if you're sat down for several hours as of course we all are particularly since covid and just getting up every half an hour and going for a a few minutes walk around the place um actually has associated health benefits wow Mm. that's amazing Mm -hmm. i read that also that that can reduce your risk of developing diabetes absolutely yeah so it's amazing isn't it yeah imagine that no I have a bit of a question around. So when when we talk about we we had we had a recent podcast about um, uh, obesity, and uh, I suppose Sean, you're in a particularly good position because you're a dietitian, sort of by by trade, but also you specialize a little bit in sort of exercise, um, sort of. And you know, a lot of people. Uh, if if I was listening to this podcast, I'd, there's a lot of people that go about saying what what's more important in terms of let's say the management of obesity, but in terms of diabetes. Maybe I'm simplifying the question too much, but is it, you know, what is more important, the, the management of a diet or or doing exercise? Do they, are, are they kind of of equal importance in either like sort of preventing diabetes or or, or sort of managing it or sort of what, where's the, the balance in terms of uh, those two elements? Yeah, so as probably you were going to predict, I'm going to say that they're both really, really important. <laughs> and so, you know, we know that that diet has a huge impact on it, on it on pretty much everything so not just your risk of diabetes or your management of diabetes but things like cancer risk and heart um heart health etc so diet is definitely important exercise even if it doesn't impact your weight it has huge benefits so you know things like your cardiovascular health but also you know mental health um your lipid levels they're, they're huge benefits in terms of weight loss so we know that exercise will help you control your weight. So if you have lost weight, it will help you keep it off. Um, and if your weight is stable, um, doing a bit of exercise will help. But if you are relying on exercise to lose weight, you have to do really quite a lot. So I'm talking an hour a day, you know, with a diet that keeps your weight stable for you to be able to lose weight. Um, so so it's helpful, but probably, well, nearly certainly, you need to, to control diet and exercise. So really, you should sort of separate the two in, in some respects, unless you're planning to be a sort of 
Olympic athlete, mm-hmm. you really, you know, if you want to lose weight, you have to control your calories. But yeah. if you want to exercise, you can do that and enjoy it for its own sake. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot about changing the emphasis on it. So rather than trying to lose weight and cutting back, it's trying to change your your psychology so that you're looking at getting your body the best bits getting all the nutrients that it needs so rather than depriving yourself of fatty and sugary foods what you're concentrating on is making sure you're getting your whole grains and you're getting lots of fruit and vegetables and you're getting lean proteins you know getting the stuff that your body really wants so that you're being nice to your body rather than cruel to yourself by depriving yourself of treats what about um personalization so i know that there is a at least one trial in imperial going on about sort of looking at someone's genetics and DNA and then sort of adjusting some form of like diet and weight loss program according to that. You know, is there such a thing in terms of exercises? Is there are there some exercises that are better for some people and, and more effective for some people rather than not? Do we see that? And it might not be for you, Sean, maybe Neil as well. You know, is, is there such a thing as sort of a, a personalised exercise regime for someone that, that could be effective? Um, so the evidence in exercise is quite varied, slightly conflicting. Different people have found different things. The thing that probably has the biggest impact is the total time you spend exercising. And there's quite a lot of evidence now that suggests that combining both aerobic exercise and resistance exercise sort of gets you the biggest benefits. There's some suggestion that maybe resistance exercise has a bigger impact on A1C and um, aerobic might have more impact on, on fasting glucose. But we probably don't need to think too much about those. And what we really need to be doing is um, both aerobic and resistance. And then from an individual point of view. So like aerobic <coughs> is, is like running. Um, yeah, running, walking, walking swimming, cycling. And resistance is. Sort of your, your weights. Oh, so okay. doing. Okay. So like lifting weights. Yeah, stuff. lifting weights okay. or even body weight exercises. So things like you know, press ups would be. Yeah. Um, so anything that really is going to build your muscle mass. And we know that people with more muscle mass have, you know, uh, tend to be healthier and particularly in type 2 d- diabetes or okay. actually any diabetes so we know that diabetes is you know an independent risk um, factor for lower muscle strength so it's extra important in diabetes that we do these strength exercises cool. okay. um so in terms of individualizing i mean i think the looking at genetics is probably an entirely different podcast um but from a person-to-person point of view the the most important thing is people find something that they enjoy doing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Completely. Trying yeah. to do an exercise that you hate means you're never going to do it. And so you're definitely not going to get any benefits from it. So, you know, whether it's Zumba or it's going for a nice walk or it's, I don't know, doing an exercise video or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. you like to do, that's the thing that you should be doing. That is a great message. Good. Thank you very much, Sean. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. No problem at all. Uh, It's been really useful. I hope our listeners enjoyed that. This was an episode of the NIHR podcast, part of our Conversations About Diabetes research series. I'm Dr. Neil Hill. And I'm Ruben Lewis. Thank you for listening. For more information about the NIHR, you can visit our website, www.nihr.ac.uk or find us on Twitter at NIHR Research.